We are back with the happy hour, the commercial relocation happy hour, that is. I am one of your co-hosts, Rob Clark, and on the line with me, as always, is Ed Katz, your other co-host. Ed, how are you doing today? Wonderful. How are you, Rob? I'm I hope doing well. you and our listeners are having a great day. I'm just, uh, it's December, and getting towards the middle of December, and down here in Houston, we're still, you know, pushing 80 degrees, which is crazy to me. I know. We had unusually uh, warm. I was out with my push power lawnmower today and breaking a sweat, and it was about 62 degrees here in Madison, Mississippi. I thought you were done mowing the three and a half acres. Well, now I coast because I'm mulching the leaves with my push power lawnmower, and I got almost, you know how much I have here, a lot. So anyhow. (laughs) And so everybody knows this is uh, one of your ways to get your exercise in. That's one of the ways it breaks up the routine and the monotony of going to the gym every day. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Ed, this is going to be an episode that I think a lot of people are going to want to listen to when they see the title get published because it's called How to Get Large Customers. I mean, isn't that the goal of every moving company? They want those large customers, those those everyday moves, ads, and changes going on where they need guys out there every day. I mean, that's ideally what we all want. So you ready to jump right in? I'm ready. I'm okay, ready when so you I've are. got some questions for you. The first one is, we all know, it's difficult. I mean, it's very difficult to get those large customers, but they're always moving, right? They're going from floor to floor, building to building. They're always doing something. So why do you think it's so hard to get them to listen to you or to give you an opportunity to earn their business, to take it away from another mover? I learned early on that unless a service provider is rendering a terrible service most large customers don't want to switch and i thought that's crazy and i would talk to facility managers of fortune 500 companies and you know they would whine and complain and moan about the service the terrible service they were getting from their mover and i why don't you switch how about giving us a chance we'd love to do all your moves and if you can get past the uh no they're not they're not that bad and really what it is is this. I'll give you a perfect example. We ended up doing all the moves for the Hellfire Missile Division of Rockwell International in Duluth, Georgia. And once we got our toe in the door and we started doing moves for them, I can see why large corporate uh, customers don't want to switch because the buildings, they had, oh, eight or 12 buildings over uh two different cities, uh, distributed over two different cities in Norcross and in Duluth, Georgia. This was Rockwell International. They don't have street addresses. The buildings in Duluth were called DL1, DL2, DL3, DL4, with no street address. And then in Norcross, they were Norcross 1, Norcross 2, Norcross 3, Norcross 4. So the point is this. A new mover then gets the account, they go out, they get lost, they can't find the building, they can't, and if they find the building, they don't know which door to go through because there are many different doors. Some are high-rise buildings, some are large footprint, single-story buildings, and the learning curve is is, is so horrific that most large customers don't want to switch unless they're really being taken advantage of. And so, you know, the first question is, why would they want to switch in the first place? 
a lot of times moving companies get lazy and they take their customer for granted. They start showing up late. They start showing up with alcohol on their breasts or under the influence of something else. They don't show up at all. I have no idea why they wouldn't do that, but they, and they give up, you know, crazy reasons why well, we didn't, you know, we didn't show up because our engine blew up or something stupid like that. And I think what happens is over time, if a customer feels that they are being taken for granted, that's when they're going to be at the mindset of, yeah, maybe we should look for another mover. But they also worry if they hire another mover, it might be same type of problems or different problems, but now it's another mover that has their own baggage, their own problems. And that's why it's so hard to get a large corporate customer because the fear of the unknown, the fear of the learning curve is a, are the main reasons why they don't want to switch. Did you ever run into the scenario where you might have the facilities manager or somebody who, who wanted to take that, make that change, you know, at least give you an opportunity, a percentage of business to see how you're going to do, but you couldn't get there because in accounting, it's so many hurdles and things you had to go over and jump through and, and around to, to become a vendor that they didn't want to, it wasn't, that was another obstacle to get over. Yes, exactly. We had got to the point with one of our large, the, the largest telephone company at the time in um, probably in the country was Bell South headquartered in Atlanta. And near the end of our contract, they started back billing their own departments. So that meant if we went to their 50-story high-rise office building and we went floor to floor to do different moves for different departments, we had to write down the time we started and the time we ended for each particular Mickey Mouse, you know, nothing job because they would then take that time and bill it back to that department head. Well, that became a billing nightmare for us and I'm sure not easy for them either, but that was another reason they didn't want to switch moving companies sure. was because... The learning curve of just how do you get into the building? Where do you park your truck? What's the typical equipment you need? And all those normal problems then add on top of that, the billing issue. So yes, that's another reason they yeah, are hesitant yeah. to switch. Well, I'm, I'm going to ask you now to reach into your bag. Uh, this works guaranteed. That's what the bag is called. And give us some secrets to going after large companies i mean what's your what was your model for doing that well we finally came up with a a model that worked trying to get all their business at one fell swoop it, it crashed and burned it, it, um, it didn't work so we came in below the radar screen we would say look we we know you're happy with your present service provider whether they were or not i don't know but i would say that anyhow look sooner or later you're service provider is probably going to be book solid. They can't handle an emergency move for you. How about throwing us a bone? How about letting us be your backup deal? I'll be your stepchild. <laughs> and when your other service provider um, can't handle the, the, your needs, how about letting us be your service provider just to, you know, fill the need when your, your full-time moving company can't come out and, solve your problem. How does that sound? So that was very palatable to them. Uh, that helped us get our toe in the door. And then every time you go and do a little nothing move for them, you send your best crew and you shine 
and now they have something to compare their present service provider to to you. So that was one of the things we did. But probably in answer to your question, the best thing we did to come up with was a white paper. You know, a white paper, if you look in Wikipedia, is a report. It's like an authoritative reporter guide that addresses issues on how to solve problems. That's basically what a white paper is. I don't know if you've heard of that before, but that's the facility managers use white papers all the time. It's kind of like cliff notes on if you have this problem, here's how you solve it. Here are the salient points. So that's like what a white paper was. So yours truly, that would be me, wrote a white paper and the, you know, how to have a successful office move or how to hire a mover for a successful office move. And it was a one page cliff note version of the salient points of how to, how to hire a mover. And so here's what we did. Here are the actual, uh, but let, let me tell you what was in the white paper. We would cover things like, how do you handle the contents? What's the best way? These are the bullet points that we cover in this white paper, if this makes sense. So we maybe called this thing, the four, the four steps to a successful office move. Maybe that was the title of it. And in the body of this white paper were things like, uh, how will you handle the contents of your move? And of course, the solution to that question would be, hey, you shouldn't be using cardboard or corrugated. Cartons are obsolete now. You should be using plastic crates. And here are the benefits and advantages of plastic crates. And then the next question might be, well, how should you have your computers and electronic equipment prepared for the move to minimize the risk of damage? And then we would talk about our compu wraps, which were two layers of anti-static bubble protection with the bubbles facing the bubbles wrapped around every monitor, every printer, and every CPU, as opposed to blanket wrapping, you know, the, the old way of doing it. And how would you protect or minimize the risk of damage to the buildings we were moving from and to was in the white paper. So we talked about not using masonite, but using polonite to protect the carpeting and to use matadors to protect main building entrance doors and to protect elevator lobby entrances. And we used corrugated or coroplast along the walls to minimize wall damage. So we cover that in this white paper. And then last but not least, not whatever that you do, don't ask for references because references aren't worth the paper they're written on. Movers are only gonna give you a list of references of companies that are gonna say how great and wonderful they were. So it's worthless information. Instead, ask for a list of the very last five companies whose office your service provider who's bidding on the job moved and call them and ask them when did they move them to validate it was one of the last five moves and did they minimize the risk of damage to the furniture and electronics? Did they minimize the risk of damage to the um, walls and floors and doors and real properties uh, features and did they finish the job on time for the price quota? So we gave them this white paper with the answers to these questions and here's how we used it. Now this is going to be a little involved, it's going to be a long, little long-winded but it, it really does work. So with this white paper, Rob, we would have my telemarketing person cold call 
the facility person at the Fortune 500 company. And once we got that person on the phone, we would say, unlike our competition, we don't send brochures out indiscriminately. What we would like is your permission to send you a white paper on how to have a successful office move. May I please mail this to you? Now, you could email it, that's fine, but you could mail it, whatever you want to do. But the point is this, we didn't send them a brochure because everybody sends brochures and they go right into the wastebasket. So in order to get us off the phone, 100% of the time, if you're talking to the decision maker, the decision maker to get you off the phone will say, yeah, sure. And then you get his address, his mail slot or his box, PO box or whatever it is, so that you can email him and or mail him this white paper. Are you following me so far? on Absolutely. Okay. So then we wait five to seven days later and we call the same person again. And by the way, in terms of calling the same person again, a lot of times if you call them during normal business hours, you get voicemail. So we found sometimes when you wake up in the morning at six o'clock or seven o'clock, whenever you wake up or you're getting ready to go to bed at night, call these same people and you'd be surprised. Sometimes they come in very, very early to a lot of, to do a lot of their work that they know they're not going to get done during the day. And so if we got somebody at 630 in the morning, we'd always say, I'm just curious, is this an answering machine or is this the real deal? Is this really the person we're trying to reach? Yeah, this is the real deal. 630 in the morning? Yeah, I come in early and I leave at three. So anyhow, that's my whole point. Call at different hours of the day. So here we called that person. We spoke to him. We don't waste his time. We say, unlike our competition, we like to send you a white paper. Is that okay? You send the white paper out. So five, six, seven days later, you call back the same person and say, Mr. Jones, I spoke to you a week ago and I'd like to point out something. Do you still have that white paper I sent you? Well, maybe he threw it away. No, I threw it away. Well, there's something really important in it I'd like to point out to you. May I send you another one? I'm going to call you back after you get it, because there's something I wanted to highlight and show you that's really important. Well, okay. So if you mail it to him again, whether it's email or snail mail, and you send it to him again, this time he's going to at least retain it because he knows you're going to call him back, right? Because you did already. Right. So again, a few days later, you call him back. And when you call him back, you say, do you see item number three on there or number four? Do you see how we're going to handle your computers? We're the only moving company in our market that handles electronics the way we do. And Mr. Jones, the reason I sent you the white paper and the reason I'm talking to you now is I'd like to come out and ask you to invest just 15 minutes of your time. I'd like to give you a demonstration of this unique process procedure we follow with our CompuWraps for moving your computers by minimizing the risk of damage to them. So can I come out for 15 minutes? So you make your appointment, you go out and you're not going to be there 15 minutes. You're going to be there about 10 minutes. And when you go in, after you say hello, you take out a sample. In our case, we take out a sample of the CompuWrap. And we had a demonstration where we'd wrap a small 12 by 12 inch square piece of furniture pad around the prospect's wrist and slap and say, you feel that? 
That's what they use. They blanket wrap your computers. Our competition blanket wraps your computers with furniture pads. And you notice it prevents rubs and scratches, but you can feel when I slap your wrist, Mr. Jones, that it goes right through. And could, if your wrist were a computer, it would get damaged. What we use, and then we take a 12-inch square sample of our compu wraps that had two layers of bubble wrap, half-inch bubble with the bubbles facing the bubble inside. Wrap the same wrist again, slap it. I see you don't feel anything, do you? Because it acts like a shock absorber. And then if I were selling today, I'd take out a 12-inch square sample piece of polonite, and then I'd take out a 12-inch square piece of old ratty masonite. <laughs> I'd say, look, this is what the moving industry, a lot of them use. Masonite disintegrates, it leaves confetti behind. You could trip over it if any of your people are in the space during the move. This durable, lightweight piece of polonite, this is what we put down. It's clean, it's easy to keep clean, it's lightweight, it doesn't disintegrate, it doesn't make confetti on the floor, you don't have to vacuum it up. So we give the benefits. And then after our dog and pony show, which I'm telling you only lasted maybe eight or 10 minutes, we stand up, take control, and we say, look, what I'd like to do is give you an actual demonstration of how our CompuWraps and our Polonite works on a move. How about giving us your next small move? And all the times I've made that presentation, not one time, not one time did they say yes. And that's fine. I expect them not to say yes. And I leave. And that was it. And every 30 days, like clockwork, I would call this guy back because I now have a relationship with him. And I say, hey, Mr. Jones, this is Ed Katz with such and such a moving company. Are you ready for us to handle your next small move? And he'd say, no, probably. But this would go on and on every 30 days. We'd call. Guess what? Sooner or later, his existing service provider is going to abuse him to the point where he says, all right, I have a small move this Friday. You know, today's Tuesday. I have a small move this Friday, like one office of furniture. Is that too small for you? No, sir. We'd love to do it. Get the information. Go out. Put a uniform on my operations manager and another uniform <laughs> on one of our supervisors. In other words, we sent the cream of the crop. We sent two guys out who shine, and we put down our little building protection, and we wrap his computer with the CompuRefs. We put a show on. And next thing you know, he started feed, started to feed us more and more little jobs. So he's still got his existing service provider handling all his, his moves the whole time. But now he's feeding us little nickel and dime moves. The little nickel and dime moves, all of a sudden, we're going there twice a week. Now we're going there three times a week. Now we're there four times a week. Now we're there on weekends. That's how we got Bell South. We did over a million dollars worth of business with Bell South per year. They had five other moving companies before that they used. They ended up getting rid of on their next year contract. They got rid of all of them except one mover that was a minority mover. And they then hired us to do the balance of all their other moves. And that's how we took Bell South away from the other four competitors. We didn't go in and get all their business at once. It took several months. But do you see the backdoor approach of going in below the radar screen? And as we grew, we learned where to park the truck. At one time, Bell South was all over metropolitan Atlanta, not just in their headquarters. They had offices in several office buildings. But in each case, we'd learned where to park, how to find the contact. We knew their corporate personality. We knew what equipment to send. 
So that's how we came in through the back door. How do you, what do you think well, about that? I, approach? I think it's a great approach because I, you know, it gets back to the, the old saying, don't bite off more than you can chew. And sometimes getting that big client where you get everything all at once could put you in a position where you don't shine as well as you would like to. And you end up, you know, not retaining that client. So I think the way you're describing and approaching and trying to get that business, it helps you kind of grow into being that, that main provider for them uh, other than just having all that business thrust on you and, and you're trying to figure out solutions and ways to provide a high level of service for them. Can I ask you, and I mean, maybe this doesn't apply, but you know, I've been out of the actual moving company business you know, I sold my company in 2000, so I'm sure things have changed. Have you had a similar type of experience in getting a large customer in the metropolitan Houston area? I mean, would you use the same approach that I just described, or have you tried anything this little different? Oh, I've, I've used that approach multiple times, but you know I'm a disciple of your your course, Ed, over many, many years and many times taking it. So it's an approach that I think is very effective. And, and it's worked for uh, a handful of large clients that uh, we still have today. So absolutely. You know, um, one of the things that a sidebar to this, but I just got off the phone with Chris Murda. Chris Murda is one of the things, one of his jobs at JK Moving Services in Sterling, Virginia. One of his jobs is quality control. And that seems to be something that's lacking in our industry. And what Chris will do on an irregular, irregular but consistent basis, he'll just go out and show up on a job. Just show up. They may have, he said, they dispatched, I kid you not. They dispatched, he said, 241 movers yesterday. Yesterday was Tuesday. It wasn't a weekend. It was a Tuesday. And Tuesday morning, they dispatched 241 movers just for their O&I division. Can you believe that? That's crazy. But he... He will randomly just go out on different jobs during the day and show up and make sure that they're using their polonite, to make sure they're using their matadors, to make sure they're using their spider cranes, if that's what they're using for moving lateral file cabinets. And things are running smoothly. And not only will he be observing and engaging the crews, but he'll be talking to customers and saying, do you feel we're rendering the service we promised in our sales presentation? He's constantly, constantly measuring so they can manage. He's constantly soliciting feedback from the customers. And this gets back to the Fortune 500 customers again. Sometimes silence is not golden. That's a cliche. Silence is golden. Not always. If you don't hear any feedback at all from your customer and you're not measuring so you can manage and you're not having quality control people go behind your service that you're rendering, you may wake up one day and lose your big customer to someone else. So, but what JK aggressively does, they're so proactive, they go out and are constantly looking for feedback, not just from their own moving crews, but from the customer. Are we doing what you want us to do? Are you happy? Are there any other services that you would like us to get into to be a solution. Yeah, to make it better. How do you yeah. like that? No, I think that's great. That, that's exactly how it should be. You know, provide the services the client needs. I, I'm all, that's my hymn book. I love it. Thank you. Well, great episode, Ed. How to get the large customers. And I think it's an approach that uh, maybe a lot of people 
don't use. And, I, and if I were going to be honest, I think a lot of people don't use that approach about asking just to be that that secondary player, you know, can come off the bench and be ready to go. And, and how that is a great strategy to then grow that client into your being the, uh, the starter, the main guy, the guy gets all the reps. I think it's I've approach. seen it work and it's, 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 um, what is the word I'm looking for? It's not this disarming, but you, you put the prospect at ease because he doesn't have that fear of, Oh, I can't switch movers. I can't go through that learning curve by coming in. But let us handle your next small move. It's so perfect because he doesn't realize that you keep coming back to do little moves for him. You're, you're going through the learning curve and they still have their existing service provider. It's almost like when we got a brand new accounting system for payroll, we didn't trash the old and start the new, thank God, because <laughs> there were so many hiccups and, and flaws in the new software. So we kept the dual system running at the same time so that only after we felt that the new software was perfect, did we then pull the plug on the old software that we had been using for years. It's the same thing with moving services. Let them keep their full-time competitor of yours. Well, and the other thing I want to say that I think applies here, Ed, is, you know, you, we talked earlier about one of the things to overcome when you're trying to get a customer to make a change is the accounting part of it. And again, the unknown of what service you're going to provide to have them jump through hoops and everything to change accounting and then you not meet the expectation you set, that's a risk in their on their part. So the approach you're giving to be that kind of guy off the bench and, and help where needed is a great approach. But in addition to that, most major companies today uh, give purchasing authority to their, their facilities people and, and other people who can make those decisions off a P card, a purchasing card. So as long as the dollar amount is below a certain amount, they can just make that payment through a P card, which is a credit card. And that allows you to go around having to deal with accounting for those smaller jobs so that one, you can show what you can do. You still get around them having to deal with all the accounting issues until they're ready to say, you guys are rock stars. Let's get with accounting. Let's get you set up. You're going to be my main guy. I want to start using you all. I agree a hundred percent. That's a, that's a great point. Great point, Rob. Well, this has been fun. Always is. I hope our listeners had as much fun as I did. I'm sure they did. Well, this has been How to Get Large Customers. Ed, you've given some, as always, some great advice on how to accomplish those things. And uh, looking forward to our next couple of episodes. We'll, we'll be coming out shortly. But until then, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, we look forward to having you on the next episode. And until then, go sell another move. <laughs>